The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, hello, hello, power partners. Welcome to our party. This is radio's finest hour of power. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, a program that is life-changing, uplifting, and always positive. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I can't hear Heather, but I know she's there. Heather Brittany is with us, too, and we are your personal growth success coaches here on the airwaves. So get ready to pump your energy, love, learn, laugh, listen, and live your dreams through books and media because we are a show about following your heart, doing what you love, and always living your dreams. In today's show, Heather and I are going to be talking about the importance of shaking your booty to avoid that price of parking your bottom too long. That's going to be in our T42 uh, segment. And then in segment two, you're going to meet the award-winning 15-year-old author, Maggie Mae Lewis, who has written a beautiful children's book called Moonlight Memoirs. And this is a book to help children deal with loss. And in our third segment, author, educator, and nurse Diana Robb shares her journey through cancer with her very uplifting book, Healing with Words. The miracle moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you to be the star of your own life. For more information on getting your private consultation over the phone or in person, call 925-377-7827. We coach for writing, presentation, media, and acting. And this is some country wisdom. If a jackass goes out to travel... (laughs) It doesn't come back as a horse. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. You know that one, Heather. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It makes me think of, it makes me think of uh, my sister's donkeys uh, that she has. Well, today, thanks to uh, the electronic era, we burn about fifteen hundred to two thousand fewer calories per day than we did just fifty years ago. The average person is twenty-four pounds heavier and actually facing a death sentence. We need to get up and shake our booty to ward off the perils of prolonged parking. In 1964, when cable TV first reached a million households, the average woman weighed about 140 pounds. Now, in 2005, we don't even have 2010 statistics yet, but 2005 statistics, when 13 million people had blackberries, the average weight for a woman was 164 pounds. The culprit too much computer, 
TV, and video games. So swapping a more active approach to daily living with a couple of steps can stave off those one or two pounds that we gain every year and keep our metabolism buzzing. So Heather and I want to talk to you about shaking your booty today. How can we boost our body's energy, Heather, and uh, keep from sitting down, you know, and getting computer butt? I know I got it. Exactly. Well, before it's much more than, you know, the biggest thing with computers and sitting in front of TVs before people used to think was the straining of your eyes, of your ears. And now it's had an overall effect on your entire body, including heart attack. And there's been multiple studies showing that when the body's allowed to idle for long periods of time, there's actually a biochemical change that occurs that allows fat to build up in your quarter, um, in your arteries. And that puts you at risk for heart disease. Now, this has nothing to do with family history or personal history. This is something you're creating on your own of just sitting in front of the computer, you know, sitting at your desk. And a lot of times, you know, people, they feel trapped in that situation, that they work in an office or a cubicle or they're in school all day. You know, how do you find these physical activities? And some, um, you know, some corporations have actually um, got on the bandwagon and have removed chairs and now have added those little bouncy chairs that people, the uh, stability balls. Yeah, I was going to say the ba- the bouncing balls are a real um, a good solution to that. To yeah, on one exactly. of those balls because not only you're getting physical activity, but it's working on your core. Um, some places, you know, have gyms within their organization, walking to places. But the big thing is just remaining mobile. So for every hour, you know, they've, they've said little things before, for every hour you're at a computer, you know, take a few minutes, look away, move away from the computer. Also, not just physical activity, but when you mix up what you're doing, it actually makes you more task-oriented. If you've ever felt, you know, you're at the computer writing a paper or working something, when you're going hours on hours without rest, that's when your poor work begins. You're not, you're no longer motivated. So you need to take breaks both physically and mentally in that state. And, um, you know, that's sometimes hard to do because I think we get concentrated, concentrating and we get very focused on what we're doing. We forget even to eat or take bathroom breaks or any of that. And it's actually taking the breaks that's the most important part. Exactly. And as I said, it's because it's more task-oriented. And one thing, too, we're such this country, we're so obsessed with healthy, lightweight diet, and yet we're so overweight. And one thing that really we need to get from other countries is this whole thing of single tasking. We're, we pride ourselves on this multitasking, yet when we see the multitasking, and sometimes it is good, and a, but a lot of times less is getting accomplished. Um, I, for example, one thing is a lot of people during their quote-unquote lunch break, you know, they're, they're eating lunch, they're on the phone, they're at the computer, they're driving, they're doing so many things at once. Well, in other countries, the entire country shuts down for lunch. They take about two hours where your task at hand is to sit, is to enjoy, is to spread out your lunch. We are just eating things quick, fast on the go, and it's just as quick to grab an apple as it is a candy bar. So remember those things if you are in a task, in a time crunch of what you're putting into your body. You know, but I wanted just to comment on that quickly about um, taking that little, that, that siesta, because I've lived in other countries and have experienced the benefit of doing that. And I'm telling you, it's such, once you get, when you start doing it, it's really hard to go back. And we do live in this rush, rush society. And so many countries like Italy and France and um, 
Spain that everybody just stops for like a two-hour siesta, basically. And they, most people, if, if they can, they can go home and have their midday meal, which is usually their biggest meal of the day. And I know when I lived in Holland, we had tea time, which was at 4 o'clock every day. And you'd come home from school, and you had a half an hour where everybody sat and had a cup of tea and, and uh, you know, one biscuit or something, um, a biscuit being a cookie. And it it really did rejuvenate us. We don't do that in America at all. I mean, I can't even think of the of the times that I stopped to have lunch. No, and you know another big thing: kids come home and they just park themselves right in front of the computer, or right in front of the TV. Um, so we you know the big thing is physical activity. And something else people have to remember too is that sometimes you can't avoid these things, such as uh, long trips, and especially in planes. Studies have shown that you can have blood clots, um, your blood stains, you know, up in the air to anytime you're on a long a plane flight, more than two hours, even if you don't have to use the restroom, get up, walk around, just walk up and down the aisle one or two times, get the blood flowing, because when your body, as I said, when it sits for so long, blood clots can actually travel into the lungs, and that's when they can be at their most deadliest. And again, these things don't even have to do with family history. It can just be with the immobile situation of your body's own reaction. And other things, too, talking about, you know, how can you avoid it? If you're saying, you know what, I, at my work, I there are there isn't a way I can get up and be taking these little ones. Bring little things. Again, the stability balls to sit in, that's a great thing. Bring little, um, you know, weights you could at your desk while you're on the phone. You could be doing little bicep curls. Or just if you're, even if you can't have anything, when you're sitting in your chair, lift your legs a little bit and make bicycle movements. There's so many little ways to find physical activity that you don't even need the gym for. Those um, are really great tips. And, you know, I want to throw in a couple of other ones that people know about but we forget to do it. So uh, one of them is instead of riding the elevator, you know, take the stairs. When you ride an elevator, I was just going to give a calorie count because I thought this was interesting. And from my research, by just taking a ride on an elevator, you use up um, per, per hour. So you'd have to be on an elevator for an hour, 128 calories. But if you take the stairs, it's 509. That's a, you know, that's almost five times the amount. Mm-hmm. So uh, another thing is to park further away from your work. I was or, just gonna mention. Is that I what you're gonna, gonna do? I think that. that one's a good one. And I, I know that I'm always, you know, I seem to be in a rush, so I'm always hunting for the parking spot. But I really this year have been trying to park further away just to get a little extra exercise in, and I feel the difference. It feels good. Exactly, and that's the big thing is people always just, and leave, you know, if you're worried about you know, getting that parking spot, leave them a few minutes early and buy something further away. Um, you know, that's also, you know, if you have heavier bags, make sure they're not too uh, disproportionately heavy. But carrying that, you know, it's a weight thing. If I, if you ha- are given um, a fair amount of time for your lunch and you live in an, and you work in an area that has nearby shops, walk to your destination, walk back. Um, I think we're in so, And also, you know, that gives me another thought. If you're in an office situation where you would email your coworker, I mean, in the same office, instead of email your coworker, why don't you just walk over? You know, walk to their office. That's exactly. gonna, I mean, you know, a lot of people, we get really lazy. We don't, we either shout or we, you know, we don't get up. We just send a, a text or something. So actually walk over. And then I was going to say something about the video games. Instead of, playing a video game, maybe play Wii, 
because then you're at least, you know, exerting your body. You're doing tennis or bowling or karate or yoga or something like that, and that has been proven that it actually is exercise. Yeah, exactly. Those things now, that's really, um, I think, bravo to the makers of that, of realizing that people are so addicted to this, you know, playing video games. But now they came out, they kind of tricked the consumers in essence of it's still a video game, but it's a physical a video game, these wee active things that you're playing tennis, you're playing bowling. And I've actually, I'm not really into the whole video craze, um, and I've actually played over at a friend's house the Wii Bowling, and it was so fun. I mean, one, because you're kind of making a fool of yourself, but you are getting in physical activity. You're sweating it then. You're running all over, and, you know, you're hitting these invisible things. It's reacting with these sensors to the screen. You're having a great time. You're playing with your friend, then you're still, in essence, you're still doing that mind-numbing playing video game, but you're being physical with it, and that's such a big thing. Yeah, I've, um, I've never played it either, but I know that my mom has played it and absolutely loves it. And so that's good, especially for if you're older, too. It's a good way to get a, a bit of a workout. Exactly. Um, one thing, too, is sometimes people are prone to um, getting the blood clots in the way. There are similar things you can do. You can get compression stockings, and they help prevent pulling. Um, they help They help the, the blood lower, and pl- pulling blood is a factor out of the clot. So, um, again, if you don't have the ability to have physical moving, they have certain in essence, uh, apparatuses uh, to help you with it. One thing, you know, bouncing your leg, just sitting, as I said, there's so many little exercises you can do just sitting at your desk. Like pointing your toes. Exactly, pointing your teeth. And also, you may talk to your doctor as well um, about if you have any particular risk. Because for some, um, it's not even, you know, just sitting at a desk is fine. Um, But other things, too, and one thing I find for me, that first morning activity, the first thing in the morning is when I seem to have the most energy. I have, don't really have much in my stomach yet. I'm, I'm refreshed from a night's sleep. I have no um, distractions or no kind of excuses of uh, somewhere I have to be at that moment. Working out first thing in the morning, get those calories running, um, get in that first morning sweat, because a lot of times when we're done with work at the end of the day, the last thing we want to do is be working is going to the gym. We're exhausted. We're tired. We want to rest. Well, I think so, it's good just to work out whenever you can, but also keep in mind what we're saying about shaking your booty is that you don't even, you know, it doesn't even have to be scheduled exercise, and that's not always the solution. Just start doing things that are easier for you. Ramp up your daily non-exercise activity, you know, by moving more, bouncing on a ball, walking. Uh, walking to places, etc. Heather, give out the website. This is a good segment. You're saving lives. Most definitely. Go to beautifulstyleyard.org, com, myspace.com, forward slash Carmen Clutches, both of the K, and CarmenClutches.com. And make sure to pick up a, a copy of Be The Star You Are and Be The Star You Are for Teens. When we return from break, you'll meet a 15-year-old award-winning author, Maggie Mae Lewis, with her beautiful children's book, Moonlight Memoirs. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we'll be right back. Stay with us. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. 
apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting Be the Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. BeTheStarYouAre.org Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations. With personalized sessions by phone or in person, you'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. For every week, Be the Star You Are showcases awesome authors and experts who enhance and inspire your life. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive message programming, as this radio show is, television shows, and, of course, Tools for Living, because we believe that information infused with inspiration has the power to transform and change lives. Be The Star You Are is committed to providing you positive role models for your life. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And talk about a positive role model for teens. Maggie Mae Lewis was adopted from China as a baby by a loving family. And at the age of 15, she is already an award-winning author who shares her spiritual insights and her very deep feelings of connection to those not presently in her life with her new beautifully illustrated book, Moonlight Memoirs. Welcome, Maggie Mae, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Oh, it's nice to be here, Cynthia. Well, I am just so thrilled. I'm tickled to have you on. It's always exciting (laughs) when we get to meet a teenager who is doing something that is really important and helping change the lives of others for the people. So, I mean, wow, you're already an award-winning author at 15. Congratulations. I understand that you won the first place gold medal in the Next Generation Indie Book Awards. Yeah, um, it's been really exciting. <laughs> Did you expect it? Has it been a, what's the journey been like in writing your book? Um, it's been pretty long, a span about three years. But 
Um, it's all gone pretty well, I think. Well, let's let's talk about the inspiration first of all for writing your book. You live on an island. You have a lot of animals, and you really have a connection to the animal kingdom. And you you really wanted to show that family and friends are forever. So, how did this all come about? Tell us your story. Um, well, originally, I um, since we had a lot of pets, I got very connected to a lot of them. And in particular, I had a black mouse named, which I named Blackie, and I was really connected to him. And one day when he passed away, um, I wanted to, I decided I wanted to get a message out to everybody that your um, friends and family are still there for you and they haven't abandoned you. Well, you know, that was at such a young age that you decided to do this and realize this. I mean, how, how did how did you figure that? That you're not gone when you're gone. I mean, that's really interesting to me. Um, I, I feel like I've always believed that your loved ones are watching over you. Um, I don't. I don't really know. I guess it's just a feeling. It was I just have. Uh, something that you've grown up with. Yeah. I I noticed it was. I always love to read the dedications in every book, and I noticed in one of it, um, you said to Jennifer, who was Tom, who was your best buddy since our childhood in China. Did you remember, Jennifer, you, were, you weren't even a year old when you were adopted, right? Mm-mm. Um, we were crib mates in the orphanage, so Is we knew each other right? before we and knew our families. are you friends? Yeah, we're you... best friends. Oh, that's really a wonderful thing. Does she live near you as well? Um, I think she lives about an hour away, but we always come to see each other. Is that right? That must have been really, she must have been very excited for you to write this book. Yeah, she. Um, I had a bumper sticker, and she has it on her car now. So. Oh, that is great. That is great. Now, how did you find your illustrator? The illustrations in the book are absolutely charming. They are just so beautiful. <laughs> um, well, I I was looking online for like just different styles that I might consider for the book, and I looked at a lot of illustrating websites. And I didn't really find anything, and then I um, looked on eBay. And I looked up their um, ACOs, their miniature artworks, and I found Melody Lee Lamb, who illustrated the book. And I contacted her and asked her if she would illustrate it for me. And that's and and that's how it went. That's how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, first of all, the the uh, pictures are fantastic. And does the little black mouse look like Blackie? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's what that's what I would think. I mean, these the mice are so pretty in here, and then all the different characters. I was wondering if you would be so kind to perhaps read um, a little bit uh, from your book from for us, so that we can hear in the cadence and the poetry, because it's it's very deep. The what you're writing about. Um. I actually don't have a copy here with me right now. Oh, you don't? Okay. No, I'm oh. sorry. I should have thought of that. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. Actually, wait. Hold on. I think they're getting one for me. All right. Well, that's um, all right. Well, while they're getting you a copy, why don't we talk about something else? Um, okay. Let's talk about the the actual words and the poetry in it. Are you you are a poet? I suppose. Have you been writing poetry, or does it just come to you in that way? Um, I've always liked writing poetry, and um. I don't. I don't know. I, I used to like writing short stories, and when I wanted to write the book, I kind of just thought I might as well do it in poetry because I think that's a really good way that you could get a message out. What has the response been from your friends? Um, 
they're pretty excited for me. Oh, that's um, a lot of uh, support, and it's been wonderful. That is exciting, totally exciting. Now, do you have a copy of the book there? Yep. All right. Well, I would love for you just to read whatever passage you want, or because I I think it's just it's just such a lovely, lovely book, and every single page is illustrated with the with the creatures that you talk about. So take it away. This is Moonlight <laughs> Memoirs, Remembering the Family and Friends of Forever by Maggie Mae Lewis. <laughs> Listen now. Departed loved ones you've just seen. Friends, cousins, sisters, brothers, nieces, nephews, fathers and mothers, grandmothers, grandfathers, and in-laws too, many of whom have always known you. They're not truly gone, but watch over you forever. Always guardian angels, not doubting you ever. That's so so wonderful. You know, because I feel, when I think about this, too, I always think that we never really are gone. We're just sort of going to the next stage. And this is what your story is about. So the story basically is about the two mice. Why don't you give us the background of the the mice? So they, when they meet the bigger mice, the black and white mouse, and how they go on their journey. Um, Well, basically just on one moonlit night, they... They meet up with the silver mouse who takes them into a clearing and basically shows them that their loved ones are still there for them and just reminds them about how they're not ever alone. When you were writing it, do you, how, how did you feel when you were writing it? I mean, were you thinking of anybody in particular or was it just because Blackie had died? Um, well, when I was writing it, I just... Um, I kind of put some of the things I believe into here, into the book, and I also thought about what I might, if I was reading the book, would like to hear that would be a comforting message. Are you writing another book? Um, I'd like to, but I haven't uh, thought of anything yet. <laughs> you, well, you do have to have some inspiration, don't you? Yeah, this was um, mostly inspiration. Well, it's definitely inspiration. And I think, you know, writing a children's book is difficult because I, you have to really appeal. You have to do it from a kid's point of view, and I really feel that you captured it. So what is your life like as a teenager now? Um, it's, uh, it's pretty normal. Um, I think the only thing majorly different would be I'm doing some book signings and um, book events, marketing the book and everything. And how have you enjoyed that? Um, it's been really exciting. Like, I never knew that there was so much out there that you could do for a book. And it's also a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> and uh, have you been on many radio shows? Um, this is actually my first. It is. Well, way to go. There's always, oh, thank there you. Is definitely always a first. Have you been back to China since you, uh, since, since you came in 1993? Um, I went back to get my sister. I think it was in 1995, maybe. Um, she was also adopted from China. And uh, and uh, but you were only what you were only two or three then, right? Or are you saying in 1995? Actually, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly the year. I, I think I was. My sister was four when we adopted her, so I must have been five because okay. we're nine months apart. So this is wonderful then, because then you're together. Yeah, it's it's cool. You, exactly, exactly. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about the different book awards um, because you were also the the National Literary Award that was by the Young Voices Foundation. Could you tell us a little bit about that? 
Um, well, I think that was the recent one. Um, it was really exciting to um, win. It's basically a seal of approval that um, I, that we signed up to um, in the competition, and it's um, it's just exciting that we've done that. Yeah. And is it? A, it's become like a family affair, hasn't it? Between yeah, the publishing because, and the writing and the promoting, it must be very, very thrilling for everyone in the family. We're talking to 15-year-old, uh, a winner, a uh, an award-winning author, Maggie Mae Lewis. Her book is Moonlight Memoirs, Remembering That Family and Friends Are Forever. It's illustrated by Melody Leah Lamb, and it is just a beautiful book of poetry that really gives us consolation that people and friends and our animal friends don't leave us, even though we might not be able to hug them. They're always here watching over us. Did you come up with the idea of putting the paw prints in here, or was that just sort of a collaborative idea? Um, Well, actually, that was our layout designer that we contracted with. Excellent. Mm -hmm. And I I love it. Like, he did a really good job on that. Yes, it really, the whole book is absolutely beautiful, and it's a hardcover book, and just the colors are beautiful. It will make a perfect gift for any child in your life. And so I would really encourage people to make sure to go to her website and check it out. It is moonlightmemoirs.com. You have a great, a great, great website. So you definitely have been been busy working on all of these different projects here. I wanted to also ask you um, a little bit about uh, your violin and your musical talents because you play the piano and the violin, and as well, you're also uh, you love to draw. Tell us about that. I I just always honor anyone who is musically inclined. Um, well, I recently uh, finished participating in the the Anne Arundel Community College um, Orchestra for the 4th of July performance. Oh, fun. How was that? Um, I, it was my second orchestra, and it was, it was really exciting. And do you, do you perform in many other places, or is this, was this, um, you know, is this something kind of unique to have done? For um, I think that was, uh, it was Summertime Orchestra, and it was my first Summertime Orchestra. Oh, so first right now I'm not really orchestra. in an orchestra, but I've, I'm still taking lessons. Oh, that's so great. That is really fun. And, of course, the 4th of July is such a great celebration. So, And you were playing violin? Yes, I was playing the um, orchestra. That is fantastic. What are your hopes with music? Um, I'm not sure if I'd actually maybe want a career in it, but I love just, like, playing the violin and the piano, like the feel and being able to play all the beautiful music. I suggest that when you go out to your book signings that you bring your violin and play a tune <laughs> or two. It will add. It'll add something, you know, a little bit of pizzazz to your uh, to your book shows. I think that would be a great <laughs> idea. Do you have any idea? Um, obviously, you're a very good writer. You want to continue writing, or do you have any idea at this point what you would like to do with your life? Well, so far, I know that I would like to write another book, but I'm kind of just waiting for inspiration. And otherwise, I haven't really thought about what else I'd want to do yet. <laughs> Well, you know, when you when you uh, think about writing another book, are you considering at all writing a book for your own age group, or do you want to continue in the uh, in the children's category? Um, I'm not. A, I haven't really thought about it at all. You're just waiting to have to be hit over the head with something really exciting. Yeah. Well, who knows? It might happen this summer. 
I hope so. That's what summers are for, right? Yeah. <laughs> and now, uh, besides uh, your writing in your book and hanging out with friends and playing music, what are some of your other interests? Um, well, I like drawing a lot. And during the summer right now, I've, I've been working at um, doing some summer jobs and volunteering around. Oh, that's good. I always love to hear that teens are volunteering. It makes you a stronger person, and it really it encourages you to, you know, to take risks and maybe to find something that would interest you that you didn't even know that you were interested in. Yeah, exactly. Like you can try out lots of new things. Exactly. And, and you can't get fired because you're a volunteer. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, well, I want to again give out the, uh, the website, moonlightmemoirs.com. The name of the book is Moonlight Memoirs, Remembering That Family and Friends Are Forever. And the author is Maggie Mae Lewis only 15 years old, and put together this really wonderful book. Does your sister want to write as well? Um, she's been thinking about it, but um, I'm not sure if she's actually started anything. Well, maybe you'll do something as a collaboration. Yeah, maybe that's what our parents keep telling us to do. <laughs> now, what about your animals? Because uh, what animals do you have now? I know that you're, you know, you're, Blackie has died, which was your inspiration for this, but... You also have uh, other animals, and you have you have some things in Texas too, right? Yeah, um, we have dogs, cats, rabbits, chickens, cows, horses, hamsters. Base, uh, all the wonderful, animals. all the absolutely wonderful animals. Are you a big writer? Do you ride quite a bit? Um, lately, I haven't been riding as much, but I I would like to pick that back up when I'm not as busy. Mm-hmm. So is, there, is school is what's really keeping you busy right now, or is mostly, is it the book signings and Moonlight Memoirs? Um, right now it's just mainly working and volunteering places. And what, I, what kind of job are you working in? I'm working as a counselor. Oh, a that's fantastic, camp. at a camp? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really great. I hope that you're going to help the kids to do some writing. Yeah, I mean, um, I have my book there, so I think a few of them have read it. <laughs> Well, you know, one of the other things, too, that you have at the back of your book, which I thought was really wonderful, is that a portion of the proceeds will be donated to a charity that um, that takes care of the health and safety of animals. And both you and Melody, who is the illustrator, and the publishing company, Good Times Press, are going to be giving a portion of the proceeds. I think that's a wonderful thing to do whenever you write a book. Yeah, um, that was one of the main things that I wanted to do. When um, I decided I wanted to write a book, I wanted to donate somewhere to help some animals. Yes, yes, because, you know, they can't, uh, they can't ask for donations on their own, and they definitely <laughs> need help as much as possible. Well, you are just an absolute delight. Is there any last thing that you would like to tell our listeners about your book? Um, basically, just um, it's a good read, <laughs> hopefully. And um, don't give up on anything that you really want or are inspired to do. Live your dreams and go for the top. Well, here at Moonlight Memoirs has, has gotten many, many fantastic reviews. Pick up a copy. Go to the website, moonlightmemoirs.com. Look for Maggie May Lewis, and she spells it M-E-I is how she spells May Again, Moonlight Memoirs, remembering that family and friends are forever. 
Congratulations again, Maggie. Hello to your mother, and congratulations to Melody. And thank you for coming on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. You are really a super inspiration to <laughs> teens everywhere. Oh, thank you so much. It's been really fun. It is a pleasure. Well, after this short break, we're going to speak with another award-winning, prolific author, nurse, and poet, Diana Robb, who has chronicled her battle and embracement of cancer in Healing with Words. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Don't go away. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are.org. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am Cynthia Bryan, your personal growth coach, and I am so delighted that you have stayed with me. This program is brought to the airwaves under the auspices of the charity Be the Star You Are, empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for change. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. Thanks for helping Be The Star You Are help all of these people in need of hope and inspiration. Well, nurse and educator Diana Robb had no history of cancer in her family. When she was diagnosed at age 47 
with DCIS, which is an early breast cancer, and then five years later got hit again with yet another incurable cancer, which is called multiple myeloma. But instead of allowing cancer to destroy and take over her life, she has made it a positive turning point. And she has written a fantastic book to help you do the same. It's called Healing with Words, A Writer's Cancer Journey. And she is with us now. Welcome, Diana, to Be the Star You Are. Thank you, Cynthia. So honored to be on your show. Well, first of all, congratulations. You have a daughter married. Thank you. Yes, it must have been fabulous. How do you feel? I feel wonderful. Oh, gosh. I mean, with all that you've been through in the last few years, you know, it was definitely very scary. How fantastic to have this wonderful event in your life. Yes. Yes, I'm well, so honored, the growing family. I'm... Isn't it? Isn't it spectacular? Well, let's get to your wonderful book, Healing with Words, A Writer's Cancer Journey. It must have been just an absolute shock, Diana, when you were first diagnosed because, you know, hopefully most women go in for their annual mammograms and most of the time they come back just normal or if they're abnormal, you do it again, but it's okay, but... You didn't get some good news. I mean, how how was that for you the first time out? Well, it was 2001. It was in the middle of the year, and I had just uh, I was about a month late for my mammogram. And then when they called me back for a repeat, I thought, oh, I should not have you know delayed this mammogram. I was busy with my work and my family, and so I was called back in for another mammogram, which was abnormal. And luckily, it was early enough so that I really didn't have to. I ended up having a mastectomy and reconstruction, but luckily I did not have to have chemo and radiation. Um, but uh, it was devastating, even though I am a nurse and I was taking such good care of myself. Um, it was absolutely devastating, but I didn't let it devastate my life. Well, see, this is what I thought was so fascinating about your book, is first of all, you are a nurse and you know these things. And, but the reality is is disease happens to all of us. It doesn't choose the, your occupation. And so you had to go to work to find the best people to help you out. And then you really had to do an attitude adjustment. Now, do you define your book as a book, a journal, a memoir? Because it's kind of a combination of all of those things. Yes, it, actually it is. I, I call it actually a self-help memoir because I even though I tell my story at the end of each chapter I have writing prompts for other people to share their own story and at the appendices I also have areas of you know teaching people how to write their story um, the book is composed of narrative poetry journal entries um, so it's sort of it's a very fast read and I try to keep it inspirational upbeat uh, I want people to look at cancer as a riveting point in their life to sort of like a reminder to uh, you know, of how precious life is rather than having cancer become their life. It, it just would be like a turning point instead. Well, I think also it's a very honest view of a woman's journey through cancer. I mean, you're not hiding any of the warts or anything. I mean, you, you talk about, uh, you're very honest about your fears. You have your journal entries there. You had a wonderful supportive husband who just kept you going but you know you you acknowledge i mean you could you break down you get upset it's like you go through the why me and then you used writing to help you get through this and of course you are an award-winning writer all of your books have won uh, several awards 
But this is what I like about your book is the fact that it does combine the poetry. It does have the narrative. It has the personal side. But then it also asks very poignant questions that we can ask ourselves if we're going through something similar. Yes, yes. Well, I've been using writing as a healing um, modality since I was 10 years old. My mother gave me my first journal when my grandmother committed suicide in our childhood home. And she I wanted like, you to talk about that because that, that could have been even a con- contribution. But first talk about your, the writing, yes, and then we'll come back to your grandmother. Yes, well, writing heals me whenever I'm in distress or, you know, some people might go out for a run or some people might walk around a lake or whatever makes you feel good. For me, I just hit the page. I just, you know, and it's not so much being on the computer. It's more so having the pen in the hand with the journal. There's something very cathartic about it for me. And uh, and I teach journaling at UCLA Extension. And, you know, I, last year there was a lot of people in my class who were just in the middle of all sorts of tumultuous things between losing jobs, having divorces, and they they just found it was very healing for them as well. And they've never written before. And, you know, we just start out by the simple word of, you know, this is how I feel today, and then just keep going. And it's amazing how it can just pour out. You know, I, I think you hit on something really important uh, that I would like our listeners to really listen to, and that's the fact of you don't have to be a writer to write. <laughs> You know, I, especially keeping a journal or creating a memoir for yourself, I do agree with you 100% that when we get our feelings out on paper, something happens. It's like we can make that declaration to the world of what's going on inside, and it makes us feel better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm so happy that you're teaching this as well. Well, what, did, what was it like, uh, because you were a nurse, Did you find that working with the physicians and working with the other healers and the modalities, was it easier, harder? Um, Were there different considerations? What was that like? It's actually a really interesting question, Kim. It's sort of a combination of all of the above. You know, as a nurse, I sort of knew everything that could possibly go wrong. So, of course, your imagination, you know, runs wild. Right, exactly. Um, and the other thing is, you know, the caretakers in the hospitals, they want to do so, they want to make sure that the nurses and the doctors who are patients get the best care, and sometimes they try too hard and they goof up. Oh. You hear of these stories. That didn't happen with me, but I was, I did have that fear of, you know, they're trying so hard to bring me to health, and, you know, I just wanted to be an ordinary patient. I wanted to be like everybody else, um, but I wasn't, you know. Uh, so you think that being in the medical profession, that you're a better patient or a worse patient? Oh, well, I, I think... I mean, does that make sense to you, you know? Uh, I think I'm a better patient, actually, because I understand and they don't have to explain as much. Uh, and I also know that they're very busy and so I, you know, can help in certain areas and and reach out when I need to reach out. Sometimes patients can be very passive and just, you know... Especially with breast cancer, there's a lot of depression associated with it, and a lot of women suffer in silence. And I reached out and I said, listen, I know I'm going through a hard time. My grandmother committed suicide because of depression. I do not want to head down that road. Give me an antidepressant. You know, I knew what to ask for. So in that sense, it was good. And, of course, on the flip side, it probably could be bad because, as you said, your mind can run wild with all the things that could go wrong. Exactly. So you have to be careful. Uh, our author is Diana Robb. Her book is Healing with Words, A Writer's Cancer Journey. She is an award-winning writer and poet. She's an educator. She teaches at the UCLA Extension. She teaches writing, and she's also a nurse. And she is a fantastic survivor 
and you're very dedicated to family. Could we talk a little bit about what you went through uh, as a child with your grandmother? Because you write about this in your book, and several times it, it comes through in the different chapters. And uh, sometimes that's the stress that we hold inside that can create some illness inside of us. That must have been very traumatic for you because you were very close to your grandmother. Yes, my parents both worked full-time. I was an only child, and she was actually my caretaker. And, you know, I think children endure an awful lot of things that they don't, we don't really think about it until we get older. And I really didn't think much about her suicide until I got breast cancer, and I wanted to study my family tree and find out, you know, maybe that's why she took her life, and maybe that's why she was depressed. In fact, it wasn't, um, but it, it forced me to... Um, to study her life, and um, but it also it was very healing writing the book because I realized that there was all that um, that uh, abandonment issue, those old abandonment issues locked up inside me all those years. So writing was very helpful for me. Um, and at the same time, when I was diagnosed, as soon as I was diagnosed, I thought, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to live. I want to live out my dreams. I went back to school. I got my master's in writing, and actually, these two books, Regina's Closet which was the first memoir, and Healing with Words, were both part of my MFA thesis. And um, it was just very, uh, very healing to do that for me. See, and, and you're doing great now, right? I am. Knock on some wood for me. I know. But, you know, <laughs> I, I do think we have to all live like we're dying because literally from the day we're born, we're starting to die, aren't we? Correct. So that is the thing is that I think when people get the C word, everybody, you know, the fear comes in but the reality is is that we have to live every minute in the moment no matter what and healing with words the writer's cancer journey your book your memoir your workbook your journal here i think illustrates that is that we just have to keep going forward and because we what is the choice would you be so kind as to read a passage or a poem or whatever you'd like from the book well, I could do either. Um, let's see. Well, why don't I start by reading just a little poem, and it's called Message to My Family. Okay. The day after I die, and hours after my ashes cool, please find me a purple urn with a window. Purple nurtures my spiritual strength, and windows keep me alive. Remember, I'm claustrophobic, and the thought of being Stuck inside a box frightens me. Since I must indulge in my favorite hobby of people watching, which sends me to my journal where I find solace and joy. Remember, writers need time alone. Once a day, my window should be closed. Just once a day after I die. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was such a, a beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful poem. I, well, all of your poetry in here is very, very interesting. I also really resonated with the poem to my daughters because you're very close to your family, indeed, and I thought that one was really uh, very special. What's your goal for your book? Well, my goal for my book is really uh, I, I hope that readers will have to get two insights. First, that the importance of get, have, have being positive uh, turning negatives into positives. You know, you have cancer, and a lot of people get themselves down about that. So I want them to turn their negative into a positive, which is either through writing or through uh, whatever creative endeavors uh, they feel would heal them in the face of adversity or disease. And 
I, I really hope that they uh, are inspired by by the way I have embraced my cancer journey. And instead of making it the focal point of my life, I've used it as a riveting point to even do more things. You know, I think this is what comes up about uh, comes out so loud and clear in your book is that you are not defined by cancer. You are living in the moment no matter what. And it can change you in a negative way, but you, it's a choice whether we choose that or not. Yes, yes. You know, I wanted to ask, uh, because I don't know if people are familiar with this, tell us what multiple myeloma actually is. Okay, multiple myeloma is a form of bone marrow cancer, and basically it's most common in men in their 70s, and uh, who have worked in the oil industry. And what I have is something called smoldering myeloma, which means I could be like this for 10, 15 years before I might need a treatment or, or not. Uh, but right now I do not, I am not being treated. I'm just being really careful with my, eat a lot of vegetables. I exercise a lot and I try to keep the stressors out of my life. Because like any cancer, stress would make it worse. And I've removed all what I call toxic people from my life. Oh, I I love that. You've cleaned the closets and you've surrounded yourself with positive, uplifting people, right? That's right. And I feel so good as a result of it. And um, so multiple myeloma, there's no cure, but there is a treatment should I need one. I'm followed twice a year at the Mayo Clinic, and I do... um, I am donating the proceeds for healing with words to the Mayo Clinic because they have been absolutely unbelievably wonderful. And- yes, and I wanted to point that out to, to the listeners as well because that is such a very generous offer, and, of course, they can save so many lives, and you're helping save lives. Let's give out your website, Diana. It's a great website. I love the homepage with the typewriter and all the different appearances and interviews and press and awards and your affiliations. I mean, it's just a great website. Oh, thank you. My website is um, www.dianarab.com, and that's D-I-A-N-A-R-A-A-B.com. Well, do you want to leave us with kind of a final word about your book? Again, her book is Healing with Words, A Writer's Cancer Journey, and it is her story. It is beautifully written, honest and truthful, and can help you, and it has writing prompts for you so that you can write yourself. But just kind of wrap it up for us. Well, I just I would I would love for my readers, no matter what turmoil they might be going through, whether it's cancer, and I have a lot of people that read my book that don't have cancer and that loved it, whether you have cancer or you're going through some other trauma in your life, I wanted to give you 10 tips for healing and 10 tips for writing for healing. One is find a room that's quiet and peaceful to write in. Find an inspiring notebook. Find a centering ritual like a candle or playing music. Take some nice deep breaths. Put your inner critic aside. Date your entries. Begin by writing your feelings and sensation. And write every day for 15 to 20 minutes. And write regularly and save what you've written. And I think if you can do that, you've got a head start on feeling better with your words. Those are fantastic tips. It's a fantastic book. Healing with Words, A Writer's Cancer Journey, Diana Robb. Well, congratulations again, Diana. Keep well and keep doing what you're doing. You are inspiring others. And this is a fantastic, helpful book for anyone, no matter what you're going through in life. We all have challenges. Thank you for joining us. 
Thank you, Cynthia, for having DianaRob.com. Thanks for being great listeners. Go to Be The Star You Are for more information on the charity or helping with any of our programs. Until we celebrate next week, we'd like you to go out in the world, smile, be happy, and enjoy the moment. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, reminding you, be the star you are. We'll play next week. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are nonprofit corporation, please visit bethestaryouare.org. That's bethestaryouare.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a secret.